Hey everybody, I'm Andy Weinberg and welcome to episode 6 of the David Wasikinen in the Pocket podcast. And that opening music, that opening guitar can only be from one man, as David said. David, why don't you tell the folks who we're talking about playing guitar on this in-the-pocket version of Disco Inferno. Uh, I hit the jackpot with uh, my dear friend T.J. Tyndall. T.J. Tyndall played guitar on that, and he played on that version, and I played on the original version of Disco Inferno. Um, we recorded it for In the Pocket, my project, as a lot of you know, is uh, you know based on Philadelphia songs and I remember when I decided to do Disco Inferno, I was like, are you kidding? And, you know, I got a great singer, Graham Alexander, uh, to come sing it, and he killed it. And I had the a real legend guitarist, uh, uh, T.J. Tyndall. Um, you know, I mean, they don't come any better. As a guitarist and, or as a person? Ah, oh, man, he was the best. He was my mentor. Right. I, I, you know, as as. TJ would have. I was lucky enough to play with him when I was uh, about 18 years old, and um, he would. It was. I, I think he turned to me and said, "You get two fills." <laughs> he sang them to me. Prop, prop, but up, but up. That's all I. And I want you right in the pocket. You know, which I didn't even know what a pocket was. But if I watched him, I would see like how he moved. How he, you know, guy had so much soul. And, you know, I mean, I first saw TJ early on with Duke Williams and Extremes. I saw him at the Spectrum. They were opening, I believe, for a bad company. And um, he came out looking like a pimp <laughs> in Duke. And uh, man, you know, and I was just very fortunate to become friends with him and to have him as like a, a mentor, somebody that I look to for advice and and um, to get a chance to play with him. And then have him on our project in the pocket was just a, a real gift. Well, I could tell there's a photo that Steve Aceto took of, yeah. of, of, of some gig, some in-the-pocket gig, and you and TJ are playing, and you're looking right at TJ, and yeah. you have such a smile yeah. on your face while you're while you're yeah. and He's got a smile on, and it's great. And we're very, very fortunate yeah. this morning to have, as a guest, Anita Wise, actress, comedian, and also uh, she was married to TJ for... Uh, 20, 20 years today. 20 years Tw- today. Today. Today's wow. the anniversary. Today would have been oh, yeah. 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, Anita. Well, Happy anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Thank you. Uh, we miss him so much, you know. I, I know. I you know. know. I still, look, I re- one thing, like, I got a lot of memories of TJ, but when we played the Susquehanna Center recently when he was really toughing right. it out, and I knew, you know, he's so he was such a uh, private man. Um, he didn't talk a lot, uh, very little about what he was going through, but he was playing um, one of the songs with Charlie and Richie, uh, who are probably playing in heaven together now? Um, and he and he turned to me and he was you know like he, he was playing it, but he was out of you know for a moment there he was out of whatever he was going through. You know he was happy and yes, he had a good. That was a good one. That was actually his last concert. Oh my god! And uh, but uh, yeah, he at that point he was having um, good days and bad days. Yeah. But he he rose to the occasion that day. He always he, did. He, he had a great day, and yeah. uh, and so it was really a, a good memory. God, we love him. You know, he was uh, he meant so much to me, and obviously he was your husband. And um, you know, uh, there, there's not enough to be said about a man with that kind of class. And uh, you know, he played on so many great records. He was one of those unsung guys that went to work I, I admired his career so much because i still remember living 
when I lived in, I, I, was, I don't know if I was living, I was living in Levittown at the time, and he was driving that green Grand Am. Remember oh, that? yeah, the lizard. Yeah. The lizard, and he'd <laughs> yeah. be driving the lizard. And I didn't know him at the time, but he was playing with the Philly Frogs, and um, he was. I'd see him driving to work in a studio. Like, I have a session at 10 o'clock. That's right. You know, yeah. and he'd go, and then he'd be leaving around 6 or 5, or he'd get out earlier, but back then... You know, he'd show up with, you know, working for Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, Gamble and Huff, and he would be doing sessions with Bobby Eli and Earl Young and Baker, Kenny Baker, and all those guys, those great guys that made records that would go in the studio and record together. And uh, I thought, what a job that guy has, man. Yeah, he loved it. And I I was actually dating him at that period, yeah. off and on. And uh, what would happen is you, we'd be in the car and uh, uh, the radio would be on, and all of a sudden he'd go, Shh, shh, hold on, I want to see how this turned out. And he'd turn, uh, he'd turn up the, the radio, and there'd be a song playing, and he'd be listening. He goes, oh, yeah, that's all right, because the way they did it. Yeah. Now, now, I'm not a musician. I wasn't there, okay? Yeah. I'm telling stories uh, as, I, as I remember them, yeah. but, but I heard them a lot of times. Yeah. So uh, what would happen is they, they would go, uh, the rhythm section, uh, the MFSB rhythm section at Sigma Sound would... Uh, They'd lay down some tracks, and they would record them all at once, all at once. And then later, the vocalists would come in, and they got so good that they would leave. They would actually echo what they knew the vocalist would sing. Mm. I mean, they would leave little pockets to mm. to uh, reinforce. Right. Or, or yeah. so so they didn't ever hear the finished product until it was on the air. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, unless they were in the studio right. listening to the final mix, but yeah. but usually they weren't. They were on to the next thing. They would record several a day, and, right. and uh, at hits any, a day, <laughs> hit, several hits a day I, I when know. they were cranking. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. and uh, so that was kind of like right. an amazing moment because I remember him going, "Shh, shh let right. me see how that turned out." And wow, I was like, that's wow. Yeah. Well, the amount of hits that te- the, the, the the number that's tossed around, and I assume this is, is accurate, is thirty eight gold and platinum records wow. that TJ played on, including yeah. some top. 10 songs, yeah. and we're going to get to some of them later. Now, there are hits and, and records, but and so when you think about that number, and then you think about all, you know, because there's so much music that he's recorded on, that never saw the, you know, maybe, but weren't hits, but were, you know, oh, there's just the, incredible music, incredible. but that's a lot of work, man, he did. Yeah. A yeah. lot. And, and, and I, I mean, he loved it, which is why it's amazing that, and we can talk about this later, is how how long he basically put the guitar down for yeah. and, and gave it up for, to, he had a very, he and Anita had a very successful business and yeah. and gave it up for so long, which is, you know, the, which is kind of crazy because he was just so good at it. Yeah. Um, I love that story, by the way, Anita, of him hearing the songs that he played on for the first time and kind of... <laughs> See how that <laughs> came out. Yeah, and and wait usually, a usually that, it came out pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a funny moment. I just stared at him like, mm. <laughs> what? what? Yeah. Why don't you tell us about uh, you and TJ first met? You were working at John and Peter's. Is that uh... I was a bartender at John and Peter's, and he was uh, John and Peter's down in New, New Hope, a little in like, New Hope, yeah, yeah. music club. And um, I was one of the early bartenders, and he uh, he was one of the men who played there, you know, regularly. And uh, you know, he he was kind of working his way through town. He knew, like, he was pretty popular. He was he was, he yeah, was pretty he was. cute. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> He was cute, but I, I thought, yeah, whatever. I was, <laughs> I don't know. And finally, one day, he, to my surprise, he asked me out over the bar at John yeah. and Peter's. And, yeah. uh, and I thought, oh, well, <laughs> let's get this over with. <laughs> Apparently, it's my turn now. Uh. And uh, we went out, and, and oh, man, that night, I just fell in love with him. He was, 
He was so different than his on-stage persona he yeah. was, or his off-stage persona, actually, just one-on-one. He was a very gentle guy. A very gentle, sweet, yeah. genuine. Yeah. He, he grew up in a household of women. He attributed a lot of his personality to that. Right. And I think that something about his upbringing made him... He just was a good friend to guys. They just yeah. he just had a an approachability. Um, he didn't have that. He was very masculine, but he had an approachability mm. and a way of relating that, yeah. that made so many people feel like he was their best friend. He disarmed them, you know, egoless, um, just a, a kind human being. And I, you know, he was so not only music inspired me, but you know, when he knew that I wasn't when I was messing around with some drugs and not, you know, hurting myself in that way. I never looked at it that way, but he did. And I remember he he was you know he was a guy with some little balls that he would tell me like, "What are you doing?" You know, mm-hmm. yep. uh, no, he would say, "Cut that shit out." You know, it was like that kind of thing. You know, yeah, he cared. He, he cared, did. yeah, yes, he very did. much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you guys, you start, you dated, but then you said you dated on and off, but then. Things you both went in different directions for a while, right? Yeah, he, you know, uh, basically, the bottom line is neither of us were quite ready for anything, and there was more to do. And I, actually, he told me he he would like to date somebody more interesting than me. Oh, <laughs> I told you that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing, but that sounds like you know what? Wow. Though it was it was uh, he was, he was right. I mean, I, yeah. I was thinking. What do you mean more interesting than me? I I'm, I graduated from college. And you're beautiful. <laughs> well, I didn't go there. I mean, well, I, you are. You know, but thank you. But, uh, you know, I, I speak French. I've lived abroad. Uh, I was like, right. what, uh, you know, but I wasn't doing anything with my life, really, mm, that right. was too cool. I was having a great time. This but is before you started doing your stand-up and your Before your stand-up, yeah. I hadn't really found my thing. Mm. And so... After that, not immediately, but, you know, I mean, he was right. You know, it was, it, it was like I wasn't up to my full potential. So oh. I, um, I, I eventually moved to New York. I eventually found stand-up, and then I eventually became interesting enough for him. Was he, was, <laughs> because he spent a lot of time in New York. Yes, he you know, Especially when he was with you know, Montgomery and all those guys. He was, right. like, spending a lot of time because I would go see him work at Skyline. Right. Yes. He he uh, he had a production company with some other people. He did Hurricane Jones. I'm not real. When that was Jerry, like you know, when Anita's mentioning, you know, he had a production company, and TJ through his sessions and his, you know, uh, he's worked with some legendary people. Jerry Wexler, I think, and you know, which I think that might have been Atlantic Records, but I think he got his production company through some some heavyweights. You know, he had that kind of interesting because he could do the corporate you know i'm gonna say corporate thing but he can work with the executives and talk their language and then work with guys like me you know yeah he uh, that's sort of an area a time period that i'm not real familiar with but yeah he had i do know that you know during that time he had a lot of records you know that they were being in the can almost in the can yeah and then something happened yeah and uh it all fell apart yeah. i uh, love that period of music for him because i loved melinda and uh um i loved hurricane jones hurricane i knew danny jones. the drummer danny mcdermott and i think it's the bass player's name was charles but cotton ken played in that band and cotton watching cotton play rock and roll was like a, 
like amazing, you know. Sometimes you see piano players, but Cotton was like kicking the stool back and he had a great look, like cross between Leon Russell and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. And then you had TJ, who, you know, was just, he was a real rocker, but could play with funk and soul. I love that period of music because, you know, it was after Duke and all that thing, and then he's playing rock and roll, and it was it was the best, man. It was really good. There's a great YouTube video um f- the Frogs, ah, his own band, which right. had Earl Scooter, Love Cotton, Earl. Cotton Kent, Bob Youngs, and... Uh, Is Mahoney playing on that? And Mahoney, Jimmy yeah. Mahoney, Jimmy Mahoney. Jimmy yeah. Mahoney. And it's a video that our friend Chuck Phillips took. Right. And you can see Cotton riffing, and it's like he's like, all of a sudden he's playing Peter and the Wolf yeah. you know, in in the middle of this uh, rock and roll right. song. and uh, So it's really fun. Yeah. It's worth looking up. Yeah. T.J. Tindall and yeah. the Frogs and at John and Peter's, you'll yeah. find it. It's like somewhere from 1976 probably yeah. or five, I don't know. I mean, he's been at it so long. Like Cotton was like, you know, it was Cotton, TJ. They were part of that session crew. I don't know who got, maybe TJ got Cotton into it, but they were like real legends and real like, legends to me they were the, the guys that, that could play and make it look easy and have fun doing it and i love that band the philly frogs i went to see them almost died once night i went to see them play at the other side they opened for um i am the walrus uh god one of my palumbo's band uh oh, i forget the name of the band but they're from baltimore and um they did a great version of I Am the Walrus, and I went to see TJ, the Frogs opened for them. It was at a place called The Other Side in Delaware. And it was, um, I think it was in the late, it was before I was in the Hooters. Um, I, would, I remember I got, I couldn't believe I was driving, but I, when I left, I nearly fell off, I went backstage and I nearly fell off the stage because I, I didn't realize, and I walked in and almost knocked myself out, and then I decided to drive home, and I got stuck on a medium strip, (laughs) rocking like a seesaw, (laughs) and uh, I still, but I remember (laughs) the frogs playing, and you know, they were cool, and TJ said to me, you should just go home. (laughs) What a band. Yeah. Well, we're, talk- we're talking a lot about TJ, but our, our guest Anita Wise also has uh, has an impressive resume herself, as, as some of our listeners may or may not know. You appeared on two episodes of Seinfeld in the first season, very first season. That's Back episode in- three, right? I think you're on episode three of season well, it, one. It was it was the unbonding or male unbonding, male unbonding, and the and, robbery, and the robbery. Right, right, yeah. very yeah. good. Yes, and you you got to you got to end up with the house, the apartment that George and Jerry both, <laughs> both, Did you get both that passed up on. Wasn't it like you, and you got it for less than George was being negotiating for? Was that part of the thing too? Because I was watching last night. I went to. But I was seeing only segments of it and on YouTube, and I wanted to watch the entire episode, but I I couldn't remember if it was you know you know George wanted the place and you ended up with the place. Yeah, George found an apartment for Jerry who who had just been robbed. Everybody's saying you have to move, so they uh, George came up with this apartment. But the apartment was so cool that George was kind of coveting it also, and they uh. realized that they could never. Either one of them have the apartment, and the friendship survived. So yeah. the waitress is right there at the right time to overhear about an apartment. And, That's you, and that was me. Yeah, yeah, and I got it. So, and my favorite line is when you introduce your neighbor, the beautiful neighbor, and she's, oh, she's a masseuse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the way you said, yeah. And then your other episode is, of course, Jerry's obnoxious friend grilling you about if the turkey in the back is real. How do you know? Is there actual turkeys back there? How would how, how would you know? Yeah, it's, just, it's not turkey roll, is it? And, right, right, right. Yeah. 
yes, that was uh, him being cruel was sort of the motivator for Jerry to break up with his childhood friend. Yeah, because he's a jerk. <laughs> so that, that did cool. you get to hang with, like, when you did that? You know, I've been on, like, I've been on, with my band, we were on the Goldbergs last year. Yeah. So we, we flew in L.A. and we went to check our clothes and then some of the actors that are on the show came in and one happened to be a fan and it was kind of, <laughs> kind of cool. Like, I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're in a different line of work than what we do, and but uh, I got to watch how they they worked and um, got to meet a couple of the guys that uh, were on the show. Did you get to socialize with Jerry and and George and well, you know, Jason? Uh, Jason, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. he's so ingrained to me. I love the show yeah. and Kramer, which was uh, you know. Well, the way uh, I already knew Jerry from and Larry David from New York. They, wow, they were comics. They were you know comic. I looked up to them, right. you know, but I did know Jerry. And in fact, one of my, when I was starting out, I asked Jerry if he would watch my set. No kidding. And I was very proud because yeah. at the end of it, he said simply, no crap in there. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was cavelling uh, about that. Right. <laughs> like, well, you were good. I went, I was watching it. I've never seen you perform your, your stand up, which I, now when I, we're going to get out sometime to see you. But last night I was watching some of the stuff that you do, and you were very good doing it, and you're back at it again, right? You're, yeah, yeah. I uh, just, yeah. I, I, uh, I've been, um, since he died, uh, a few months after he died, I suddenly found myself, you know, after he died, then his mother that we were living with, she died five months later. Yeah, you were and then all of a sudden I was just like, and then the store went down. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, uh, it's time, like, for a reset, whether I like it or not. And I Man, just, and that's I courageous. I decided, yeah. you know what, I'm going to go back in comedy. I had an occasion to spend some time with some very neurotic comedy yeah. friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I thought, you know, I kind of miss this. <laughs> he'd be, you know, he. what I know of him, he'd be so proud of you because the way you mourned him and went through that you know it was it's unbelievable because you got back on the horse pretty quickly so to speak you know you went back to work and you know i know if we were lucky enough to have you join us at thanksgiving and i and, really appreciate you know, and that you've been a part of like our in the pocket family <laughs> mm. which is never you know you always will be and you know um so it was, it was great but i was always amazed by how you handled the whole situation because i know about tj's mom and 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 all that so um. well, it was a rough period but i just you know i wanted i i don't know whether neither of us really believed in afterlife but i just kind of wanted him to be proud of me yeah he, and i just decided i'm gonna be <laughs> I, the line i think it's from the whiz <laughs> i'm not sure but i just kept thinking i ain't dying for no white man <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, I'm not going to let this beat me. He would not want that. Nobody no. wants that. Nobody, no. least of all me. So yeah. I just decided I'm going to be a kick-ass widow. That yeah. was my motto. Well, you have been. <laughs> you have been, Thanks. you know. I just want to, I just want to make the best of whatever yeah. whatever is next. So. Dal and I have talked about it and we're, you know, very amazed by how you picked up and did what you've been doing and i know with the business and everything like that you had to do all that stuff alone really you know like i mean there's some people have helped you but you know to go on the way you have is just a, it's a remarkable quality and that he would be like smiling i, I really have to just say i couldn't 
I had tremendous support from family, friends, yeah. and you know, from his friends. I mean, I, I, the in the pocket family, I call his lovely parting gift. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I just, I just feel grateful. Yeah. Mostly, you know, I just felt like I owed it to everybody to just not mm. let this be. You know, what else are you going to do? You have to go forward. Right. So I'm just kind of grateful. The other side of the coin of him dying so early is that I still have a little energy, you know. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, so I'm just trying to. Speaking of, you know, I ran into him. I don't know if he ever told you this, but I was in an airport in San Diego and he was doing, he was there contracting. He was looking at some lights and he was doing something. And we both flew back to Philadelphia and I was work. I was going to do a tour with the Hooters. And, and he said, yeah, I'm not playing. I said, oh, well, you know, what's your, make sure I had his phone number. Mm-hmm. And then I was always encouraging him like, come on, man. And he was like, yeah, I think I'm getting back. Oh, did he? Yeah, go, he go, got go, back because that was when we, you know, I, later, soon after, I think TJ asked me if I wanted to come play with him, Danny, oh, and yeah, Bubba, yeah. and, and uh, we played. Well, it was it, it was Danny DeGenero, Rio DeGenero, who, yeah. who kind of helped, who kind of got TJ back yeah. into That's it a right. little bit right. Right. after right. TJ yeah. had been away for so long. Yeah. And, and I believe Danny was doing a. There was a Kevin Kerwin was putting <laughs> yeah. together a benefit right. for Danny, right. Right. and and Danny reached was it reached out to TJ? Is yeah. that what happened, Anita? Or? Somehow, yeah, something happened. I. My awareness that might have been already in the works somehow. I think Kevin was kind of lobbying Rio yeah. to ask TJ, but the way that I saw it happen, which it, something else might have happened prior, but yeah. I was sitting there looking at Facebook, which TJ yeah. was sneering at, you know, because he <laughs> yeah. didn't like Facebook. Well, yeah. But I, I noticed a post from Rio, and I, I, I just kind of remarked because I thought it was odd that he posted his own phone number right on. I just, <laughs> it seems so public, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, with Danny, I, I never was, uh, it was always, nothing really surprised me. Right. So I just happened to mention it, and he said, yeah. Give me that, you know. And he took my phone, and he promptly called Danny. And they started talking, <laughs> and they talked a long time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, I could hear just one half of the conversation, but then I heard TJ say, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll play at your benefit." And I almost fell off the sofa. Yeah. I was like, right. "You're gonna play?" And that was like several months down the road. Right. So he had time to get his. He started to ah. he started to shed. I I jumped up and I went and got the guitar and dusted off the case. Yeah. And you were telling me before the guitar basically had just sat there for. Yeah, it was in a you know in another room. Just Amazing. out of sight, you know, yeah. and I, I, I dragged it out and put it there. And then he, he put it up on our little table, yeah. our, our dining room table. It was lying there. I was telling Andy about this. It was like it was in state. It was just lying mm. flat <laughs> on the table. Yeah. And and TJ told me later that you know he he just took a like he said it had like this aura, and yeah. he would just walk around it and yeah. look at it. We played like that too, you know. And then he would just touch it sometimes and stroke it. And then finally he picked it up and started playing. So when I remember we rehearsed at Danny's place in Thornridge. Because it was was a benefit for Danny. That's right. And Danny played. (laughs) It was was fun. And, um, And I remember... You know, like I think now, you know, I didn't realize that he was so early on in getting back. Uh, I didn't wear, but I remember the how the way time. he was like molding clay with his, with his guitar. It, the way he was moving his hands was like he he was exercising his hands. Right. But with TJ, there was no, always like, how do I find a musical moment out of this when he's moving his guitar around the neck? Because he was always, you know, that it was music in his head that he was looking for, and then getting comfortable with his hands. Right. I, 
I just you talking about it made me realize that that's what was going on. That was the know? first time. That was one of the last, I think that was one of the last uh, concert John Kuzma played at. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. He was, and, you know, and John, Danny, and 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 myself met TJ years ago. You know, and that 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 was a that was kind of a sad event. You know, you know. Of course, we were trying to help Danny, but you know, knowing what eventually happened with John was that was a tough one. You know, yeah, that yeah, was but... a tough one. Well, let, let's hear some some TJ guitar from back in the day. Yeah, we got cool. we got a bunch of songs ready to go. We're gonna start with a with a Bonnie Raitt song. I mean, I know TJ did all that stuff with with uh, Gamble and Huff, but he also played with with Bonnie Raitt. Right? Give it up. Yep. Yeah, Give it that's up first. That was her first record, right? Was, I believe it was her second record. Second, the album I... was Give It Up, and and he played on a, on a bunch of songs. Yeah. But we have uh, a song. A cover that Bonnie Raitt did of an old uh, Barbara George song, I Know, yeah. uh, and then in parentheses, You Don't Love Me Anymore. So let's hear this from Bonnie Raitt with uh, T.J. Tyndall on guitar. All right. It's froggy. Piano. Oh, man. Ed Shockey used to play this. Yeah. A lot on the radio. Uh, TJ didn't talk a lot about, I know, like with all these famous people that he played with, you know, he played with Bonnie Raitt and so many others, but he never bragged about it, right? It was just, it was just, it was just going to work, doing what he loved, right? It wasn't, uh... I think he had a lot to do with, you know, Bonnie, um, her father's very, John Raitt, very famous actor and uh, actor, and he, you know, I think Bonnie... From what I understand, like she started playing later in very late, yeah, yeah, and you know TJ and uh, was very instrumental in inspiring her to keep playing and doing what she's doing. And I think she had a lot, he had a lot to do with, you know. Well, she's very fond of him. I don't, I can't really speak to what, you know, how much he inspired her. Yeah. But I remember him telling me how she started playing and they said oh she's good you know and then they would say she's pretty good for a girl and then after a while they were like damn she's just plain good yeah so she had it in her all the time because yeah I, I don't know she you know in her 20s i think when she you know started playing and look what she's become you know i rick rick vito another philly guy ended up playing with with uh, and i had lunch yesterday with kenny and my friend Freddie Freddie Rojo, and we were talking about uh, he's playing with Rick Vita, who sort of you don't replace TJ, but he played with with Bonnie after TJ played with Bonnie. So, funny she went with another guy that was like a Philly guy. Yeah, yeah. So good for her. Yeah, good for her. She yeah. called him. She's the one who dubbed him the Blonde Flash. The Blonde Flash. I love <laughs> yeah. that about yeah. him, man. <laughs> and that's what he was. So this is back in 1972. So he would have. This is right around the time he was also with Duke, right? Or what, right, Dave. What, 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 um, I think it was like a, yeah, it was '72. He was with he was with Duke, right? Which would have been around the time that yeah. they they you know were signed to Capricorn. And I guess right. they opened for the Allman Brothers at the Spectrum. And, uh, yep, yep. Was... Wald, what was that guy's name? Walden, the guy that was the uh, the owner of at um, Capricorn, and that was of course Larry Maggot that hooked Phil, them up. Phil Ward. Phil Walden, yeah, yeah, and 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 through because Larry Maggot managed Duke Williams. And yeah, Larry, and Larry made that happen because he believed in them. And um, introduced uh, Duke and and TJ to to the Capricorn, and they put a, they were they were cool, and they used to you know he had a, a friendship with Dwayne Allman. Yes, you know? he did. He liked him. He didn't yeah. like Greg, but, but he liked uh, Dwayne. Dwayne <laughs> yeah. was like more of the humble. Well, Dwayne was more like TJ. Yeah, 
I think there was a lot of like-minded, you know, thinking about the way they play um, very rhythmically and could uh, also solo. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a lot of common likes for both those guys. Right. But Kevin Kerwin told the story that TJ spent a whole night hanging out with Dwayne Allman in a hotel room once, but right. he, didn't, he, he never told Kevin, who was managing TJ for a while, and he didn't, didn't hear it until, until years later. And Kevin, how, do you, how do you not t- tell me this? How do you not <laughs> yeah. say these stories? And TJ was like, yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to brag. It's just you know, right. just just a guy I'm hanging out with playing some music. And yeah. It's Dwayne Allman. You don't you don't not tell people you're hanging out with Dwayne Allman. But that yeah. but that was TJ. It was just yeah, it, it was I mean, just everything. You know, it was just matter of fact. Just 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 hanging out. Two guys talking music. Right. He was a cool guy. You know, just you know, my like he would. If he, I was taking lessons in New York and he was working at Skyline, he said, "Come on over." You know, that's the kind of guy he was. He's, he, you know, you didn't have need a need a backstage pass to get in to hang out with TJ. He no, was he like, he was your a, friend. You were your, you were friends. He was, he, he, so many people told me how he reached out and helped promote them or helped yeah. help them or, you know, talk them up because his, he had a very inclusive, um, a rising tide lifts all boats attitude. Yeah. And, uh, and like when he was a kid, when he was a little kid, his early influences were Little Richard and Chuck Berry. Mm. And he used to play along to the records. Wow. And he would pretend he was in the band and he would just try to find his parts where he could fit in with the band. He didn't ever want to be <laughs> duplicate it as someone else's. He would come up with his own. Yeah. He wanted to just yeah. be part yeah. of the band. Right. And the way he got into MFSB was he heard them on the with the radio and he was like they need me <laughs> <laughs> and he went down there and he persisted he kept going and showing Hanging up around and show, showing up and saying you yeah. need me and this skinny little white kid with all these black players and yeah. and finally who was it oh i've got to remember this mm. you know they invited him to the session no well he was hanging around yeah hanging around um and uh well i'll say it i'll say it on podcast <laughs> they liked him because he had that white boy dope <laughs> had, it's all right he had the night nice white boy grass so they were tolerant this skinny little kid who claimed he could play guitar he told, he told me that story too <laughs> and finally somebody didn't show up for a session they were late or yeah. they missed their plane whatever and he's staring at them you know like, i'm with, in man come, like, on. come on and they yeah. were like all right they also said let's get this over with yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he was in from then on, and yeah. I've talked to other players in the band, and they said he brought this—he brought this element of uh, rock mm-hmm. and energy that just sort of like they really appreciated that this was like a new. This helped them cross over, mm-hmm. and he was really proud of that contribution. Oh, he, he, it, was, it was exactly that because it was Bob, Bobby Eli yeah. was smooth and played as, and TJ brought can do that, but he would have some. TJ had edge. Yes. You know, because he came from where he came from. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, amazing, man. Want to hear some of TJ's stuff with MS? With, with, yeah. Uh, from, yeah. Yeah. From the Phil- Sound of Philadelphia. We got uh, I Love Music from the OJs, which yeah. was a number, a number a top 10 hit for them right. in 1975. Yeah. Uh, and I, TJ even has a solo in this, I, I believe, like yeah. about four minutes in. So let's hear uh, from the OJs uh, I Love Music with TJ Tyndall. What a great rock name, too. TJ Tyndall. TJ did a bunch with the OJs, I think. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Larry Washington playing that. There I get name dropping. <laughs> yeah. What did he listen to at home? Did he? Did he? Uh, 
He liked his own stuff. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> he was a worker, man. He was like always trying to get better. He loved, uh, in the later years, he loved to listen to, he loved, he got into jazz a little, Earl Garner. Oh, yeah. He was, um, he loved. Wow, Earl Garner, he was somebody he listened to? A lot, yeah. That's so amazing. Joe Casadas used to, when I took lessons in New York, I had to listen to that Earl Garner was, yeah, he listened liked to him. that. <laughs> he liked, he listened to a lot of Rod Stewart. Yeah. Um, he was a huge Prince fan. Yeah. Huge Prince fan. And, uh. What else did he like gospel music? Yeah. Not any gospel, but like he did, uh, he was on Ride the Mighty High. He played on Ride the Mighty High with um, the Mighty Clouds of Joy. Wow. And uh, he loved that. Yeah. We'd go to gospel so- uh, concerts sometimes in Trenton. That was, yeah. that was pretty. I could see that. Pretty fun trip, yeah. And uh, he had a great sense of style too. TJ, you know, like I, I, you know, I love the way. Like I remember when I could see the frogs. I used to, wow, I like the way what he was wearing. He was always, you know, thinking about, you know, I don't know if it was just an innate kind of thing. It just happened, you know. But he did have a cool look. Well, yeah, he was a good-looking guy to begin yeah, with, and then yeah. he always dressed the part. Too, yeah, right? Dowen going through all those pictures when we would do, like maybe Disco Inferno or, or this song uh, or um, Backstabbers. Um, um, we put a picture and we, oh my God, he's so cute. Huh? <laughs> yeah, know, I uh, thought he was cute. Yeah. <laughs> there was one great photo of him when he was like working the tape machine. You know? Oh, Cause yeah. Because TJ comes from the days of where like we're editing tape and and uh, making records. He, he, you know, he knew the difference between playing live and making a record. Right, right. You know, which get musicians, if they want to go that far, there's a whole different, it's a different ball game. That's right. And there's playing live, playing, you know, guitar players, drummers, and then there's studio chops that you, that TJ had amazing studio chops. Yeah, well, apparently, you know, they do these takes. Yeah. And if anybody messed up, woe be to that guy. Yeah. There'd be a lot of hollering and yeah, carrying on. And he said, "You did not want to mess up the tape." So, yeah. you know, he. Uh, he yeah. Was... Something, and he was so generous because, you know, the late great Jimmy Mahoney. I, I, I believe that you know TJ brought him into Sigma to play. Like he was encouraging other players. That yeah. And t- there was a lot of similarities with Jimmy and TJ. You know, so it was, um, you know, really n- nice of him for what he did. I think we got, I think TJ Solo is uh, is coming up, right? Or just a... Yeah. That's all right. You get to listen. You know, they just, you know, the records that came out that period of time, and, you know, they were cranking them out. You know, it was great music. David Bowie loved it so much that he came to record, you know. He would have been good on that Bowie record, too. <laughs> He could have done Carlos Alamon. Although he never met Bowie. I, I actually, after Bowie died, yeah. I, without knowing TJ was sick, I called TJ to try to get reaction, wondering if he had ever met Bowie during any recording mm-hmm. session, and he hadn't. He probably didn't go down, you know, knowing TJ. He was like, hey, Andrew, you know, if they're not inviting me, I'm not going to go. On that That's one. right, yeah. Right. You know, because those guys at the time, from what I understand, you know, they were concerned that Bowie was going to steal their sound. Now, TJ probably wasn't like that. Probably Here he is. Here, here's, this is TJ. 
so yeah. good. So, so yeah, good. man. You know, I mean, the guy had like, you know, he sounds like class when you play. Well, this was a hit. That was that was a hit. That went number five in in, in 1975. But the two biggest hits that TJ played on, we got them both. Yeah. One is maybe the greatest love, one of the greatest love songs ever recorded. Yeah. Uh, Lou Rawls, "You'll Never Find Another Another Love Like Mine." TJ played on this from 1976, wow. um, and that, that went number two on the Billboard yeah. chart. So uh, let's cue that one up, and uh, we can uh, Lou Rawls. Just uh, they don't they don't make music like this anymore. No. <laughs> they don't make music like this anymore. Clever musical part, rhythmically. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, because there's always cover guys that covered this song. This guy, Earl and Kenny, had to come up with like a part. What are you thinking? You know, like, it's great. Did TJ ever talk at all about this specific session or anything like that, or the song, or? I'd ask him one day, I had a great afternoon with him and Bobby Eli over Bobby's studio, just the three of us were mm-hmm. hanging out, and they just decided to start talking about, there was a, they switched with Motown, they, 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 the Motown guys came here, and the Philly guys went up there, and it was like a project, I never knew that, and I said, oh cool, and you know, Bobby and TJ were both saying when they showed up at the hit, um, hit Hitsville, USA. When they walked and they saw, they said it was built on a porch. <laughs> he said, like we had a studio, and they were so shocked that they was in this house. And like <laughs> I think Bobby was saying it, like it felt like it was an old part. Or wow! But they they switched up. Um, I don't. Know, I'd love to try to find that recording someday. But they were telling you know great stories of of that whole you know that that time you know mm-hmm. and because uh, I, I remember riding with TJ and I asked him about um, I was curious because he created some songs and and my thinking he should have had a songwriting credit like when on like the Jackson five we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get to that one right. next yeah, yeah we, we, we're talking uh, about that specifically yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know he was telling me about you know writing and you know how they came up with parts, but we'll, I'll share that story when we get to that. Yeah. So as we listen to this great love song, how, Anita, how did you and TJ hook back up after you had kind of drifted apart? What uh, did you come to him? Did he go to you? What, what, what happened? Well, uh, what happened was um, I hadn't s- once in once in every, a great while I would stop by the store because they were near my parents. His pa- you know the lighting store that his family had, and um, Sometimes I didn't usually see him, but I would leave a note or just tell Earl to tell him hi or something. And I did that this time. I was it was like January. I had heard over Christmas that TJ had gotten married and they had bought a house and they were producing a record together and everything. I thought that's great. I'm, I was really happy for him. So I stopped by just to say hi and say congratulations to them and. Um, he wasn't there, so I just said, "Well, tell you know, just tell him I said hi," and um, and then he called me, and I said, "Yeah, yeah," which was very unusual. I mean, totally, yeah, never happened. And 
I said, oh, yeah, well, I, I st- stopped by to, you know, whatever, congratulate you. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, that's all over now. <laughs> I sent her back to Alaska. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, it's done. It's done. And then he, he had interest in going out. So over the next few months, we I went back to L.A. I was living in L.A. And, and we started talking. And, yeah. and um, it was interesting because after 20 years, my image of, like, we were somewhat different people you know after 20 years you're not mm. the same in your 40s as you are in your 20s and uh so i kind of had to get to know him again yeah and he me it's probably fun it, yeah it was fun it was fun and but it, you know he was so much more i used to say to him are you sure you were a rock star <laughs> i bought him black jeans one time because yeah. he always wore blue jeans <laughs> and i bought him black jeans and he looked at me sadly and he said you don't understand me. <laughs> I'm like, you wore pink velvet skin tight yeah, bell bottoms with with a boa, by the way, yes. <laughs> with a with pimp hat, black black jeans are out of your comfort zone now. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that was funny. Yeah. Wow. And then you guys got married 20 years ago today in at Long Beach Island? Yeah, probably Aww. like right about now. Yep, yep. That's so and sweet. I have to give props out to Larry Maggot, who is always. What a wonderful man. A wonderful man, mm. always there. A few years earlier, we had been in New Orleans and yeah. we, we heard uh, the great Cajun great um, Buzu Chavez. Yeah. He had the first Cajun hit on. You know, pop hit uh, yeah. paper in my shoe in like the fifties, right. and I said, "Wouldn't it be fun if he was at our wedding?" Well, God bless him, Larry Maggot. Some do your wedding. Organized a little tour for Boozu so that he could play at our wedding, and yeah. TJ played with him. Wow! And at the reception, and um, wow. and uh, afterwards, Boozu said, "Come on tour with us." <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like no, I got a honeymoon to go on now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Man, you know, and, and that, another, you know, character guy, Larry Maggot, who's done such amazing stuff around the world with artists and great promoter here in Philadelphia. But he he loved TJ. Yes. And yep. I remember I went at the memorial. Yeah, Larry, was, Larry was instrumental in putting uh, that all together. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then we went to Trenton and I, I was honored to be able to say a few words about TJ. And Larry got up and he was so eloquent yes. in the way he spoke about yes. TJ. and. You know, he loved them. Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah. He did. He's, and he's been very good to me, too. And vice versa, you know, because yeah. TJ used to talk to me oh, yeah. about Larry. No, no. What Larry d- has done for Because not enough people, I think, don't really give him, you know, his due in that way. Because he was, you know, incredibly giving, generous man. Yes. Yes, he is. Well, let's let's keep it in the mid seventies now for just one. We were talking. You mentioned Dave the uh, "Enjoy Yourself" by the Jacksons, yeah. uh, which was I think their first single off right. the Motown label. Yeah, uh, and and TJ played guitar on that. Not, not, only, only, not, not only played guitar, right? He basically wrote the riff. Wrote the, the riff. Wrote the riff to, to a, this great song, "Enjoy Yourself." Mm-hmm. Anita, why don't you tell the story you were telling uh, me beforehand about uh, what TJ told you about uh, mm-hmm. about how Gamble and Huff um, kind of took that riff and then turned it into a song i mean yeah it was uh tj was messing around and he and he played the little opening lick of of what is now enjoy yourself and uh as i said before they would they would kind of flesh out an idea that the night before and and then the next day they'd come in and they'd have a song and then you know everybody contributed 
but uh, this was his big contribution yeah. to that song. So, and I and I love the story that that I read, and, and Anita, you've to, you backed this up that TJ basically had to teach Tito Jackson yes. how to play the song live because yeah. the Jacksons were going to tour yeah. behind the, behind this album, behind yeah. this behind this song, and uh, so TJ taught. You know, member of the Jackson Five, how to play guitar on this song? We only we only have an hour, but I want to. I have to bring this up because when you're saying he taught Tito that, I mean, a lot of people don't know TJ was a member of the Chambers Brothers. I mean, the band when he he you could look it up on YouTube. Go to the the Mike Douglas show, and the co-host that week that he was on was John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Right. And uh, TJ, you know, he's the one, you know, the white guy in the in the suit playing with Chambers Brothers. And <laughs> John Lennon had, you know, TJ had John Lennon sing his, sign his guitar. And then Ono said, you want me to sign? And he said, no, I got what I wanted. Yeah, he, <laughs> wouldn't, let, story. he wouldn't let Yoko sign. Uh, he was like, <laughs> he I got, want to devalue I, it. <laughs> TJ being like, and TJ later told me, he goes, you know, maybe I shouldn't have said, but I said, but you were playing you, man. That's you. <laughs> he yep. said, look, I got what I wanted here. Yeah. Boom. It wasn't a matter of like dissing her. It was just a matter of, I wanted John Lennon to sign my guitar isn't that great yep and then that that guitar the signature wore off everybody kept saying tj you got to cover it you got to cover it i remember this back then you know this the signature was disappearing and and uh later you know recently in recent years i said how come you how come you didn't want to cover it why didn't you try to protect it more and he said well actually I thought I'm going to be more famous than him one day. <laughs> oh, that's great! Well, you know what? For us, for me, it was the man. You know, and it's funny, but you can't that signature. Signature is that. You know how like oh, I hate to bring this up. Like they can find like when there's like a, a murder, or like forensic find, evidence. Yeah, isn't there a way that you can get that signature to come up again? Because to me, I think you got to be able. You know, that's John Lennon. I, probably brings a little value to that <laughs> it would be nice right well yeah. it is verifiable that it was at one time it was on the tv show you could right. see yeah, it yeah yeah so but it's a good time to bring up that that guitar is going to be on display at gary podner's event the, oh, good. the, the mill street uh, music photography oh, exhibition awesome. it's going to be november 2nd yeah at the Bristol uh, Center for the Arts. Awesome. In right and on. I know Gary, he does beautiful work. Oh, really absolutely. Nice. Great photo. And there's going to be a lot there's of There's going to be a lot of uh, other photographers yeah. do, of, um, you know, uh, photographers who cool. take uh, pictures of musicians. Cool. Cool. And uh, Mikey Jr. is going to be playing. Oh, nice. He's with, great. With Matt Daniels. Yeah. And then at, uh, later at next door at E-Tree Restaurant, there'll yeah. be craft beer and... Yeah. pizza and it's going to be fun it's fun event be... that sounds like fun yeah Gary yeah. told me about that and I thought yeah. so glad that you brought that up yeah what, what's the date of that again Anita it's uh, Friday November 2nd mm-hmm. starts around 6 um, and uh, yeah the guitar will be there there'll be oh, a little awesome. tribute section for oh, TJ so come on now we'll have fun <laughs> but he played that riff, he yeah, riff right. but yeah let's hear it this, this is yeah, Enjoy yeah. Yourself which was a, a top 10 hit for, for Michael and, and actually it wasn't the Jackson 5 it was the Jacksons they were building the Jacksons, on this song but uh, Michael and, and I believe Jackie were sharing lead vocals. But uh, enjoy yeah. yourself with TJ playing the riff to kick it all off. This big hit in 1976. Charles on that? Sounds like Charles playing drums on this. Could be. This was, this was such a great time, great period for music. It was, I mean, it wasn't. Uh... <laughs> when he was playing, TJ told me that. Because I was asking him, going like, you came up with a riff. Did you ever really think about it? Like, hey, my riff, you know, publishing, you know. Um, 
He's, he said, Kenny walked by him and said, we're going to write a song with you. That's what he said. And uh, when I asked TJ, you know, this was a couple years ago, uh, maybe a couple years before he left us. And, and I said, well, why didn't you say, look, you know, and he said, well, I was playing every Monday through Friday from 10 to 5. I was making more money than I thought I'd ever make, and I'm playing guitar. I'm not going to rock the boat. I thought, wow, man. And he did that for a long time. <laughs> but he did say to me, yeah, maybe I should have said something. But he had no regrets. No, he was very, very happy and very proud, proud of that period. Oh. Very, very proud of his contribution. And very grateful, too. He really had a wonderful time. They were wonderful yeah. years for him. I, I was lucky to go to Joe Tarsia's. Uh, they had that event for Joe Tarsia, that or luncheon. And, um, you know, TJ was there, and I, we took photos together with, with, with a bunch of guys. And, you know, he was beaming that day. Yep, yep. Yeah. We all had a jam. It's unfortunate TJ had the, he was, you know, he wasn't feeling well, I remember, but we right. had a jam upstairs. And, I was playing with uh, all those guys that were, you know, you know, actually Keith Benson and I were like switching off from drums. It was fun. I'm like, oh, it's Keith Benson. Uh, you know. I'm glad he got some acknowledgement even before he died. He was uh, honored um, by the Philadelphia Music Alliance. There's yeah. two plaques for MF as part of MFSB yeah. and also a South Soul Orchestra. Yeah. And then, uh, unfortunately, he died before he could. I went and received it for him. Um, he was inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame in yeah. Nashville last year. Um, yeah, so he was hoping to go to that, but it, it got pushed greats. back. Yeah. Dave, I love the story you told me once, because obviously you stayed friendly with, with TJ. And, yeah, but I love the story after the Hooters had finished Nervous Night, yeah. but before it had come out yet, you played it for TJ. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed. They, they said, don't you play this for anyone. And I said, yeah, I won't play for anybody. I'm going to play for one guy. Where were you? Where, I was at the back of Maddie's. Okay, in Levittown. Maddie's in yeah. Levittown. Um, TJ and I went, got in my car, which had a pretty good stereo in it, just him and I. And I played him, I think it was day by day. And he looked, that's a hit, boy, son. <laughs> that was, he said, that, yeah, it's a hit, son. <laughs> and I said, really? He said, that's going to fly. And it did. Well, he I, was right. He had such great ears. Well, when you I played said, really? on as many hits as that guy has, yeah. he, he would know a he hit when it was. right yeah, away. Yeah. I was skeptical. I mean, not that I didn't think it was really good because I was obviously very proud of it. I was like, this is it laying it down and he would love that and he got it right away right away he's like yeah and, and how much did that mean to you to hear it from uh, him, from him was like the like you know getting a pat on your back by your dad and you know he wasn't that much older than me he was still somebody that was like a mentor and somebody i loved and somebody i respected immensely so for him to tell me that and i knew what he's done in his career it was like yeah really getting up so with that relationship you had with him, when you formed in the pocket, was he, and, and then once he got back into playing, was it a no-brainer to you to get TJ on board? Yeah. Yeah, it was like simple. I mean, it was just like, I hope he'll do it, you know, but I was like, come on, man. He was like, yeah, man, I'm in. He really had fun. He had fun. And, you know, he he knew, he, like, he had such great instincts that he knew if it was going to be good and if it wasn't going to be good, you know. But he was always into playing, and he just felt good getting up there and having that vibe again he loved the fact that i was trying to do something where we're all doing it together it wasn't like you know um you know and i made him you know tj is a great guy and he's a very um direct 
You know, like there's some things that happened that he wasn't too happy with. He let me know, you know, which I was fine with. And I respected that very much because I learned how to be that way myself, you know. And he, he just, I just seemed to feel like he was having a joyful time when he came out. He did. That was a big, uh, a blessing, I guess you could say. It was a great thing in his life yeah. to have those periodic things, uh, yeah. playing opportunities to play and what he said was you know my fingers can't do everything I used to be able to do he said but I feel like I've got more to say I've got more um I guess he like more tasteful or more mature yeah. the his playing so he he he's he felt good about that I kind of feel the same with my comedy you know yeah. it's like I hadn't done it in a long time but yeah. now it's there's more to say. Well, so. I'm glad because I think that you do have a lot to say. And I think that, you you know, it, you're, 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 I don't know. I'm not saying you're just getting started. But in a lot of ways, you start again and you have all that vast experience to pull from. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. Like, what, you know what TJ would have told me? But when he went to Vegas with you, when you were playing with uh, Joy Behar, yeah. he was he told he was like a kid when he was talking to me man. <laughs> telling me like oh, yeah man and i'm like i'm just hanging out you know he loved that man and it, i think he loved being able to support your you absolutely know, like, yeah support your your what you were doing you know he was so proud of you it was just really cool he was yeah he didn't he said you know when i was starting to like not want to do it anymore back in you know when we were first together he I just was sort of like I was just ready for a break, and he was he was so supportive. He said, "Are you sure? You know, don't stop because you know anything else. Just keep." He really wanted me to keep on, and when I started again, he was super happy for me. That's why when I started after he died, I just knew it was something that I could feel really good about. He was, you know, because he'll talk to me. He he, he was loving it. Loving that you were doing that. Yeah, he liked yeah, he it. He dug Vegas. He loved that. <laughs> you know? And he was, you know, again, not only with you, you were being his wife, but like I said about Jimmy, you know, when he pulled Jimmy in, I, I don't know how this really worked, but Jimmy ended up working with Robert Palmer with him. And when I was one of my favorite records, and I couldn't believe it was done in Philadelphia. And I loved Robert Palmer. So it was like he pulled him in to play and played on every uh, uh, double fun was uh, yes was double, double fun, fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah now did he play we, we actually have i'm not because uh, i know tj didn't play on the whole album but we have the the single every kind of people do you know he tj played, played on that? did he play on that do we know i'm not sure yes he did, he did. well then let's yeah. hear it let's i think hear that's it. him and jimmy earl uh, and and the guys but let's I, hear uh, yeah this was a hit for robert palmer in 1978 yeah. every kind of people with uh, tj tyndall yeah. certainly played on the album and, yeah. and, and probably well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's playing on this with jimmy but i could be wrong but i'm Pretty sure. It's well, it's a great song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we might as well. Hear it sounds it. good. This was TJ <laughs> and Jimmy. Say, uh, so, you know, and then Robert came up to New Hope. I don't know if you right. Know, yes. Yeah. They. I don't know if Robert got up and sang, but he came up and he played. I never show. heard this story, Robert. Robert Palmer came to New Hope to, yeah. to, to, to watch it. Yeah, to watch those guys play. I don't, TJ, I don't know if he got up and sang. Maybe he got up was and sang. Was it at John and Peter's? John and Peter's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. This guy was a cool, cool guy. And Martin Mull, too. He got Martin, brought Martin Mull. And Willie Chambers. Yeah. Well, you know, if anybody out there that 
go to YouTube and look up Mike Douglas with John Lennon hosting. You'll see the Chambers Brothers and TJ's playing with the Chambers Brothers. It's a classic video. Very cool. We showed my mom the video of the show yeah. and my mom was so excited she was looking and looking at, she goes which one is TJ <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, My, he'd be the white one <laughs> he'd be that guy with the guitar in the back <laughs> dancing he had a great groove man he was, the guy was great yeah I love that uh, how much fun TJ looked to be having with Tommy Conwell when, 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 yeah, in the pocket with, with TJ and Tommy. He loved Tommy. Yeah. He loved Tommy. Man. He loved the way he pitched he, he would tell me, get me up there with Tommy. Yes. <laughs> and then he, you know, he, just, he was just great. He was great. He was an unselfish player. Right. He didn't like selfish players. No. 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 He would, did, he didn't understand like this whole, you know, guitar players are like gunslingers a little bit, you know, but TJ was a very, uh, unselfish kind of guitar player you know you get your four bars or whatever and then then give them up to the next guy that right anybody goes into like i'm the guy he's like that's not my guy (laughs) that's how dj was i mean yeah he called that musical diarrhea yeah well that's a pretty good definition of it you know he loved playing with tommy yeah what a great record Yeah, I know he played that a lot. He played songs he played on. Yeah. <laughs> but he played, so, yeah, yeah, that was but him. there was a lot of choice, so yeah, that yeah. was all right. I remember yeah. when I came out. <laughs> and it was funny, man. You know, like the world has changed a lot. You get everything instantaneously now. Back in the day, you know, you record it, and maybe you wouldn't hear for six months. So, you know, this it was one of those records that I remember hearing on the radio. I said, that sounds different. And it was Robert Palmer singing with the, with the Philly sound. Kind of like what Bowie did, trying to get you know, mm-hmm. trying to get the guys to go for the for the real deal. That's wonderful. Yeah, beautiful song. Where are you performing next? I'm gonna be actually. I just did a bunch of local gigs, um, but I'm gonna be up in. Uh, the only thing I have for sure right now is up in Massachusetts on November 17th. I'll be at Hawks and Reed uh, performing with uh, Julia Scotty, wow. a comedian, and um, and my friend John Ross. So that, but there'll be other local things. I, I put yeah. it on my Facebook page. Dave, you've been an entertainer all your life, but imagine being up there on your stage, <laughs> on stage by yourself, nowhere to hide, nowhere to run, yeah. just you and a microphone. I mean, that, that's very impressive, Anita, that you, uh, yeah. you know, that you're comfortable enough to do that. And, and, and that you got back into it. I mean, oh, it's, uh, thanks. do you ever get, uh, do, do you, any nerves at all at this point or, or no? Every single time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess if that stops, you stop doing it because it's that adrenaline or like yeah. what's going to happen. You never know. I so, mean, somebody said the other side of nerves is, excitement mm. so i just go man i'm really excited tonight <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited yeah. <laughs> i'm so excited i might vomit <laughs> <laughs> well it's great that you're back you know you're doing what you're what you love and you i'm know, having just, a blast i really that, am i i'm so happy to be back with my comic friends and you know and, and, and like you said tj would be very proud he'd be happy he'd yeah. be he'd be super happy yeah what a guy yeah, that's yeah. uh, well. Again, this was it was wonderful to spend the last hour chatting with Anita Wise, uh, T.J. Yeah. Tyndall's wife, talking about a great man and a great musician, and who just impacted so many. 
great songs yeah. through the years. I mean, it's it's incredible when you look at the list of songs that T.J. Tyndall played on and the artists he worked with, and uh, and it, you would never know it from meeting him. No, because no. he was just a, a lot of just a, just a regular guy who just you know no. just you know guys that like played with him, like you know my friend Steve Shive, um, you know Dan. Did, no, Danny's not with us, but everybody that has like worked, you know, work with him, you know, he was always just a, you know, part of the team. But I know, you know he always knew. Flame and Harry, Harry McGonagall was a very, very, Harry very, very, very close friend of TJ's. Yeah. And I know when I did a tribute to TJ's story a few years ago, Harry was, I spoke to Harry. He's, but, but you find a million people, like obviously Duke, yeah. Paul Plummerai, Paul, yeah, 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 a lot yeah, of people. yeah so. Um, well, Anita, thank you uh, so much for doing this. It's been great chatting with you and, and reminiscing about TJ over the, over the last so hour. Much. Happy anniversary. Happy thank anniversary. Thank you. I can't think of a better way to Aww. spend it than sitting here talking about TJ. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so That's thank great. you. Well, thank you. All right. Well, Dave, we, uh, another great great episode, episode six. Yeah. Uh, we're doing great. We have the Eagles and the Giants, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm done, I'm done making predictions uh, about the okay. Eagles. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. So thank you very much, as always, to Marcus Darpino. Thank you here at our, our Wildfire Radio, our, our the new studio, which is beautiful. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week. Yeah. Oh, and once again, this is TJ Tyndall playing guitar, playing guitar on in the pockets version of Disco Inferno. Can we? I guess can we play the song out or not? Let's let's just listen yeah. to TJ as we fade out this week from uh, in the pocket. Cool.